Hello and welcome to the Neil and Robbie podcast. Robbie, it's been like, oh man, it's been years, hasn't it? Uh, hello and welcome and how are you? I'm excellent, Neil. I've, I've just missed this and uh, yeah, yeah, I'm just excited and re- ready to go. Uh, me too, me too. Uh, now, before we go any further, I think we have to give a big shout out to someone that you were talking to the other day who has been the motivation behind us sitting down here today. Yeah, so I was on a uh, a Zoom webinar uh, with loads of other people in. This was Abdullah Zainab and uh, a guy on there called Kyle Roberts, who we are dedicating this episode to today, said, oh, I really missed the podcast. It really, really motivated me to, you know, get into ultra cycling. And I came straight off this webinar and the next morning... And was the phone call to Neil where I said, mate, we, we have to get back on this podcast. Awesome. So, Kyle, big shout out to you. Thank you for giving us the motivation and massaging, massaging our egos sufficiently uh, that, we, uh, that we've got back to talk to each other again. And a, a kind of a slight thanks to, uh, to my wife as well, because she's been uh, going on at me going, guys, you really need to keep doing that podcast. Why do you not do it? You're terrible crack on with it anyway um i mean we did try and do one about a year ago was it a year ago no it was it will have been less than that about six months ago and for various reasons it never made it beyond the editing room floor i.e my office when we're super famous that'll be one that we'll release for a load of money yeah neil and robbie the bootleg edition <laughs> The B-sides, Neil and Robbie, the B-sides. Uh, yeah, no, that one never never made it off the cutting room floor because we just had all kinds of editing problems and sync problems, but we are back. Uh, Robbie, how have you been? Yeah, good, good. Uh, working, working lots. So kind of to give you guys a little update on what's happened the past six months, although COVID's been going on, I went from kind of being a spin instructor and working in the gym like behind, behind the counter and doing a bit of PT to going full-time PT I've just embraced it so much and I've literally just, you know, taken on, you know, quite a few more clients, people, really interesting people that I just adore and uh, recently just booked myself, I haven't really told anyone this, on a level four lower back pain course because that's something that I'm really interested in. So I've been focusing a lot on that. Uh, riding's been going okay. I uh, got all ready for the Great British Escapades and then split my tyre, uh, probably the worst time I could have done. And then pretty much just went home. So bar that, not much has has really, really happened. What about you? Yeah, and we'll probably spend like at least five minutes talking about the escapades um, because we were both at that event and it certainly was interesting. Uh, I have been really, really good. Uh, I think since, since we last spoke to our wild, adoring legion of fans, uh, I've moved back to the UK. Uh, my wife and I've moved back to the UK. We now have a house in West Sussex, which is amazing because the cycling around here is fantastic. And actually, I've been getting, I've really been getting back into my off-road riding, which will become a little bit of a theme of this podcast. But it's just, it's been so much fun. It's like just taking me back to being a kid all over again, like when I was kind of 14, 15 and mountain biking back in the days when everything was anodized purple uh so yeah so that's that's been going really really well uh work's been going really really well as well as uh the coaching uh i've been working with some some really interesting clients on some really interesting 
interesting races, interesting projects, interesting expeditions. So that's all been a lot of fun. And hopefully as we do more of the podcasts again, uh, we can we can talk about a few of those and maybe get some of the people in. Um, so, yeah, but then on top of that, I've been starting to do bike fitting uh, up at Butternut Bikes in North London. So a big shout out to the guys and girls at Butternut Bikes. Uh, so I'm doing bike fits there a couple of days a week, uh, really with a, a, a focus on comfort uh on the bike um especially as it relates to kind of long distance riding but but that's kind of valid for anybody riding a bike really so yeah so that's all been really interesting cool i i must admit i did a i i actually learned some bike fitting as well which was quite fun and i i did a few and um i just kind of got so bogged down with you know other other work that i just didn't haven't really carried it on but you have smashed it you're you're helping cyclists left, right, and centre at the minute, aren't you? To be quicker and more comfortable, he's winning. Yeah, pretty pretty much. Yeah, we've been doing it. I've been doing it for since April now, and uh, yeah, feedback's been amazing. Um, just yeah, helped a lot of people get more out of their cycling, which ultimately is is what it is all about. However, we are not here today to talk about bike fitting or houses or what we've been doing for work uh we're here really to talk about the big event that i've got coming up which we think warrants an episode all on its own uh which is the the great british divide which kicks off in six days shit six days six days so Today, I thought I would be the person just to sit here and ask you questions about it. Even though I know a little, I don't know enough. So I'm really excited to ask you about the route and, more importantly, most important thing, the bike as well. Yeah, well, let's let, let's give a quick summary. So for those of you who don't know, and I imagine most of you listening to this do know what the Great British Divide is, but uh, I'll give a quick overview. So it's organised by uh, Kevin Francis who did uh, organise the Great British Escapades, uh, which I did <clears throat> back in September, and then we both attempted back in April. Uh, no, not April, June. I say attempted. The weather was absolutely miserable. Um, it, I just, yeah, we'll come back to that one. Uh, and the Great British Divide is kind of his marquee event, which is a predominantly off-road race that goes from Canterbury to... Uh, the Isle of Skye. Oh, no, Canterbury to Applecross via the Isle of Skye. And uh, kind of very much in the vein of GB Duro, for those of you who watched that last year and the year before. But luckily, without the restrictions on uh, your interaction with other people. Thank goodness for that. Um, yeah, it starts on Saturday. Uh, there's a field of 50 taking part. So, uh, yeah, I am very excited. Um so Robbie, fire away. Hit me with your questions. Okay, so so let's let's talk a little bit about the route. So obviously I was in the escapades and did the whole of about three hours of it, and uh, I really loved what Kevin had put together on that kind of style of route. So obviously there's you just said then it's a lot of off road. Are we talking gravel? Are we talking mountain bike? And as a do you know roughly as a percentage of how much of this is going to be quite technically challenging? So, look, the way I describe it, and I, I seem to be using this description a lot, is uh, old school mountain biking. 
So back in the day, and I'm talking kind of early 90s to late 90s here, when mountain biking, so mountain biking first really came to the UK, kind of late 80s, early 90s, which is when I got into it. And we had these bikes that you could ride pretty much anywhere. And so what we would do is we'd, we'd look at the ordnance survey maps and we'd go, oh, there's a road, there's a bridle away we can ride on. Let's go and check that out. And that's what we did. But then gradually over time, as mountain bikes developed, mountain bikes became more and more capable so that your average trail bike, which in the early 90s would have been fully rigid steel frame with two inch tires, your average trail bike now comes with 2.5 inch tires, 150 mil front and rear travel. These these bikes are, are just completely different. And they're so capable that you go and ride them on a bridle way, you're like, well, this is a little bit boring. And you're going to dedicate trail centers to go and ride it. So for me, what I call old school mountain biking is kind of back to that, just heading out into the wilderness, into the countryside, finding what trails you can and, and going from point to point. So kind of that's how I would describe a lot of the route. And that's probably how kind of Kevin's gone and, and put it together. It's probably 30% road, 70% off-road. And I would say of the off-road part of it, some of it is fairly straightforward kind of gravel stuff, uh, or let's let's call it less technical off-road riding. And that would be sections like, so we start up in Canterbury and we come through a little bit of the North Downs and then down and then onto the South Downs. That is, you know, the South Downs is physically demanding, but it's not technically very difficult. It's big, wide tracks. Um, there's no kind of twisty, turny single track or anything like that. Um, I, I think the real challenging stuff will be when we get up into uh, Mid Wales and then up into the Peak District. Uh, so we'll go through around Brecon, up through Mid Wales, up through some of the trail centres and up to McKinleth. That's going to be more technically demanding uh then in the peak districts we'll be doing uh you know down into castleton through and over mantor edale jacob's ladder again this is kind of quite technical stuff it's going to be a bit steeper more boulders and rough terrain to contend with uh, and then and then it just carries on from there you know we go up into the south pennines i was up there the other week doing the mary townley loop which again, great classic mountain biking terrain, um, but not what you'd call gentle gravel at all. Uh, and then, you know, as we get up into Scotland, I think it's just going to get even more technical still. Uh, one of uh, one of my clients, uh, Carolyn uh, Chambers, is doing it. Uh, she actually lives up in Scotland and she's been checking out some of the route and she says we're in for a treat up there. Nice. So one thing that you haven't really touched on yet and... Uh... Something, this is probably one of the governing factors when I ever look at doing any kind of race. Climbing, how much climbing are you going to be doing over this duration? So the uh, the total distance of the course is 2,200 kilometres and I think there is around 38,000 metres of climbing. Only 38,000 metres of climbing? Uh, only 38,000 metres of climbing, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty, you know, that's above... 1500 meters per 100k so that's that's pretty that's pretty tough if you compare it to say tcr which okay is probably not really a comparison at all because they're very very different races but tcr covers 4000 kilometers so nearly twice the distance but for roughly the same amount of climbing 
so you can just see how much uh, how much climbing is involved in this one. So next, now we need to talk. Let's talk business. How long do you reckon that this is going to take you? Because obviously off road races, and this is something I've learned recently, and especially when I was training for the Great British Escapades, I'm going out my gravel bike and. I, I think I've come, done it the wrong way. I wish I was a mountain biker going to gravel instead of being a road cyclist going to gravel. Because I'm you go out on the road and you smash out five hours and you're like, yeah, I've done like 160k. I'm, I'm an animal. And then you start going out on a gravel bike and you go out and you're like, oh my God, I've done 100k and it's taken me the same time. To, it's taken me two thirds of the time. This is something that for me, has been quite interesting to get my head around. So obviously, going into these races, I feel quite, like, disappointed in what I'm doing when I'm off-road off riding, because it's just so much harder, and the distance is longer to cover. So how long do you think it's going to take you to get to the end of this race without giving away your game plan to any other riders? <laughs> what do you think is a realistic amount? Uh... Ah, oh, it and it and it is hard to say because a lot of the time we go and ride this kind of terrain fresh. We do it as a day ride. What's the the real challenge is going to be? How how am I going to cope on say the South Pennines when I've been riding for five or six days? That's going to be interesting to find out. Um, I I think, given what I know of the course, I I think anywhere between 10 to 13 days would be realistic you know because at the end of the day 200 kilometers off road in a day can be really hard like there'll be some days where yeah there'll be a lot of road sections it'll be fairly flat the terrain will be quite um benign that we'll be able to do 250 300 kilometers in a day um but there'll be other days where 150 kilometers might be a really good achievement so yeah, I'm I'm hoping somewhere between ten to thirteen days. Um, one of the people doing it is Josh Hibbert, and uh, who won GB Duro last year, and he I think he said he was looking at anywhere between seven and ten days. Um, so I'd love to see him do it in seven. That would be an amazing achievement. Uh, but that kind of gives you an idea of what he's thinking in terms of how long this is going to take. That's that's a very interesting uh very interesting answer. I see I see that you're not giving away anything there, really. <laughs> yeah, I like like it's hard to say. I mean, I've spent you know with with any race like this, with any big race, I'll spend a lot of time just absorbing and reflecting on the route. So yes, people will go away and they'll map out every single food stop in a ten you know in a within 10 miles of the race route um and i'm going through and just mapping out where the key resupply points are and all that kind of stuff uh you know where potentially hotels might be to sleep in because you know because that's that's a challenge as, as well but i'll spend a lot of time just looking at the course looking at the map absorbing what it what it's going to feel like trying to visualize what, what the riding is going to be like and um just <laughs> Um, yeah, I can hear. Can I can hear. hear uh, Ivy's the podcast. I can hear Ivy shouting in the background. As long as, as sorry, she's uh, Briny's just got home, so I'm going to let Ivy it out. Is as long right? as, as long as she doesn't go and chew through your uh, your microphone. So I'll spend a lot. Yeah, so I'm spending a lot of time just 
just looking at the course, visualizing the course, trying to imagine what it's going to feel like. And it's hard to say. You look at these segments. like So obviously living down in West Sussex, I know the South Coast bit really, really well. And I know I'm going to be doing that fresh. So I'm really, I'm really confident in where I'm going to be by the end of day two, let's say. And I've got some, I've got some plans around that, but I'm not going to share those here. Um, I'm going to keep those as a, as a surprise for race day. So yeah, I've got an idea of where I'm going to get to uh, by the end of day two. But then you start looking further forwards, and you kind of think, oh, how long is it going to take me? You know, this section like there's a, there's a big stretch through Mid Wales where there's nothing. You've got like 160k almost uh, between Brecon and Mackinlith, and there's there's hardly any anywhere to stop. There's one resupply point, and then and that's not in the middle. So there's just this huge expanse of nothing, and you're just looking at it, going, I'm not entirely sure how long that's going to take me. So there's a lot of there's a lot of unknown here. Okay, so there's there's a few you've mentioned, Josh earlier but there's a few people i'm really excited about in this race and uh i'm not gonna lie i'm, I'm gonna tell you the people that i'm gonna be following really closely so it's obviously you because you know i need to see you win a race mate you're coming close i need to see you win something uh josh is obviously something someone up uh, is good friend and i'm really excited to see how he does uh rob gardner i just he's just such a nice guy and i really and i know he's been really busy with his ultra cycling this year but he's in it and i'm really excited to see him and uh there's a guy i met at the escapades um i don't know how to pronounce his second name because you know i'm known for my pronunciations his name is craig bung uh, bunyan yes and uh Lovely guy, rides a Richie Outback, so obviously he's a legend. And um, yeah, I'm really excited about following you you four, really, in particular. Uh, is there anyone else that I need to know about that's coming into this race? Uh, well, so I think following, uh, you know, keep an eye on Carolyn. Uh, she is a super, super strong rider. Uh, I've been coaching her for about a year and a half now. Uh, and last year was kind of it, it, quite challenging because she got into the form of her life, but then... There were just no races to go to because uh, of the situation. She couldn't go do two volcanoes. Um, so, you know, that was frustrating to deal with. But she still, she was first female in uh, Revolve 24 virtual online race. Uh, and then she was third in the virtual World 24-hour time trial uh, race. So she still managed to tick off some really kind of big, big events last year, uh, albeit sat in her turbo room. So I, I can't wait to see how she does on this. And the thing is, I, I think this kind of race is going to benefit anybody who comes from a mountain biking background because that's a lot of what we're going to do. And Carolyn has done 24-hour mountain bike races before. She comes with a uh, with a mountain biking pedigree. So it'll be interesting to see uh, to see how she does. Um, I, do you know what? I'm just going to actually bring up the list of, uh, of who's... Who's racing? If you go to SI entries, uh, then you'll be able to see a full list of everybody who's taking part. Because um, there are a few others that kind of uh, uh, kind of made me think, oh, it'll be interesting to see how they do. Now, uh, yeah, as, as well as Rob. So Rob, um, Rob, I just need to beat Rob just once. Just once, please. Because he keeps beating me uh, by one place. Uh, obviously, Rob and I raced in, in Rwanda together. Uh, we've also got uh, Sean Duffy, who raced in Rwanda. He's uh, uh, he's 
going to be taking part in this. So it'd be good to to go up against him again. And we've uh, had uh, a lot of uh, a lot of chat about bike setup. Um, I've been chatting also a lot to uh, Kate Sullivan, who's on Instagram as Mum on a Bike. Uh, I, she seems really excited about it, uh, so I'm looking forward to to dot watching her as well. Yeah, obviously, if I get a chance to, whilst I am whilst I am racing along. Um, but I think there's going to be quite a few who are who are quite strong. Um, so you know, we'll see we'll see how it plays out. It's like you know, with any race like this, there's there's some people that you know about. Uh, and you think they'll do well, uh, but there's always going to be people who you've not come across before, and there'll be a few people who just turn up and smash it. Um, there's some very interesting bike setups going on out there. Um, I've been looking at a few of them on Instagram. Um, I think they've published a few onto dotwatcher.cc, so you can go and have a look at bikes of the um, bikes of the Great British Divide. So yeah, uh, I, I think. It will be interesting to see how those bike decisions play out here, because I think that'll have quite a big impact. Yeah, definitely. It's it's interesting to to hear. Actually, it's it's there's so much more to do with this. And uh, do you know what? I think ultra cycling is such an inconsistent thing. And I'll say this in so many ways because nobody's fitness is always constant. It's always in waves. Let's be honest. That's why you as a coach taper and things like this and that's important and then you've also got people's setups they might get it really right they might get it really wrong then you've got the weather some people are better in the dry some are better in the wet then you've got the time of year so there's so many things that adjust the outcome for a race that I think a lot of the time especially when I dot watch things you, you really can't look into it too much if if there's some really good people like Josh is a good example here. He's got a proven track record of just being bloody excellent at so much. So you could, you know, he's going to be up there. But then you've got this field of people that might really be good. And I think it's always worth going into a race just kind of with very open eyes and ears to see who might be at the front and who's going to be back. There's always big surprises and that's 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 what I love about this sport it's it's just incredible when you dot watch and you think god I've never heard of this person and you realize it's their first race and they're fighting for second place you know and you just think wow because it's it, it's just yes yeah, it's, it's not like what you'd expect it's not like football you can't pretty much predict it and chuck a bet on you know and it's it's completely different even though there's a lot of money I've got riding on you hint hint <laughs> excellent uh what do i get a cut um uh, yeah i think i think the technical nature of this will definitely have an impact i think certainly as i said before those people with a mountain bike background uh will will have an advantage especially the further north we get and it, it's it's going to be interesting to see how we all cope with technical mountain biking when we are really really tired and we've been riding for 16 hours a day um you know, I think that's that's definitely uh, an, an unknown. So now we need to talk about the really important stuff. So we need to talk about your bike and we need to talk about what you're going to be taking with you. So I've got a few questions that, that I want to ask you on your setup. Why? So firstly. Sure, sure, sure. And I, I have got a video coming out. I, I did a I did a, a, a test ride the other day so uh shot some video of, of the bike and what i'm going to be carrying so hopefully i'm going to get that up in the next uh two or three days so that everyone can have a look in a little bit more detail but uh go on then fire away 
Okay, so I'm going to ask you part by part what you've got. So, firstly, let's talk about your frame. Yeah, I know. Sorry, she's she's a bit she's a bit needy today. I don't know why. Like, I'm just going to shut the door. Hold there. You know what they say: never work with children or dogs, uh, children or animals. He says he's going to go and take her away and shut the door. He's going to bring her in to say hello. Let's talk about the bike. Tell me about the basics. What frame, forks, because this is all mountain biking stuff, gearing and wheels? Hmm, yeah, good question. And um, so obviously my initial plan this year was to do TCR. <clears throat> so <clears throat> everything, you know, was training towards that. Um, bike is already there for that. Getting, you know, getting ready for that. No no issues at all. Um, but I knew in the back, back of my head that... TCR probably wouldn't happen and I had been in conversation with uh with Kevin about coming and doing uh coming and doing this race but then when it kind of became reality I kind of started looking at the course started looking at the terrain um and I actually had a chance to go up and ride some of the terrain and it did start to give me a few question marks around the bike now my original plan was to do it on my Fairlight so can um with 650b wheels and some proper mountain bike tires on which i still think is a very good bike to be doing it on in fact carolyn has actually borrowed that bike to go and do it on so it's, it's still going to be there at the race um but looking at this race looking at also what i want to go and do in the future i kind of figured that this could be a great opportunity to build up the ultimate kind of bike for this kind of ultra racing and by this i mean yeah whether it's great british divide gb duro whether it's uh tour divide or silk road mountain race or atlas mountain race or french divide you know all of these multi-day off-road uh races where it's not it's not it's not kind of like highland trail 550 mountain biking um it's just long, long, long days of getting from point A to point B as fast as you can with some of that off-road. So I kind of started thinking about that and started researching. And and I knew that I wanted to put together a different bike for this race. And I think part of the inspiration behind this was was actually looking at Lael Wilcox's setup for things like the Dirty Kanza. So Lael's obviously a specialised sponsored rider. And she actually rides a S-Work Epic Hardtail, but with a drop bar. And I kept looking at that thinking, that looks really neat. I really like the look of that. I bet that's really, really fast. And given that she could choose anything in the in the, the specialised uh, catalogue, that's what she went for. Um, so I then started looking around at different frames. Could I, If I were to put together a hard, drop bar hardtail, could I... Could I do it from stock? Uh, was there a, a geometry that would work? Um, and I couldn't find one. And then I came across, uh, then I was looking at Shand, who are a small Scottish manufacturer. And they had exactly what I wanted, which was something called a Shand Bahuki drop bar. And at this point, it was like eight weeks to go before race day. I'm like, there's no way they're going to be able to build one from scratch for me. Uh, 
especially because if I'm going to kind of spend that money on a, a frame, I'm going to want to customize the geometry a little bit so it fits me exactly. Anyway, so I put in a call to Shand and said, I know you're going to tell me to, to get lost, but what is the chance that you could put together a custom drop barber hooky frame for me in the next six weeks? And uh, and Saul, the guy I was talking to, said, well, normally I'd say no chance at all, but you happen to have called at just the right time. We're about to do a run of Bahukis. If we can agree the geometry by the end of this week, then there's every chance we could get it done. So that was it. That was kind of like, it's a sign, you know, it's a sign. And um, said, right, let's go for it. So that's what we did. Um, and, you know, the, the, the whole process of doing a custom frame with somebody like Shand and, and the process of doing it with Shand was amazing. It was uh, it really involving back and forth on just getting that geometry nailed. Uh, they would then send me, you know, when we agreed it, they then sent me photos of it coming out of the weld shop. Uh, and then, you know, and, and then they say, right, it's out of the weld shop. What color would you like to paint it? Um, but it's just all, it's all the little details that you can do uh, when you go custom like this. So, you know, we went internal brake routing or internal hydraulic line routing. We got rid of the internal dropper post routing because I didn't need that. Internal DI2 routing was added in. And it's just, it's, you know, and we, because it's one by setup, they could move the bottle cages further down. It's, it's just all these little touches that make it a really special and unique bike. Um, so that was shipped out to me about three weeks ago, two weeks ago. Um, they did an amazing job in turning that round. Uh, and then the forks, uh, fork availability has been quite challenging. Um, big shout out to the guys at Button Up Bikes in North London because they've helped me get all the parts together. Uh, so I ended up going with a DT Swiss 100mm uh, cross-country fork or XC fork with 100mm of travel. This thing is amazing. It's, uh, I mean, yes, I've not ridden a mountain bike for probably six, seven years, but this this thing is just so good for the kind of riding that I'm doing on it. The small bump compliance, fantastic. Just allows you to go so quick. Um, and then other parts. So the wheels came from uh, Salt. Um, so big shout out to Conrad and the guys at Salt. They've sent me through an awesome pair of uh, 29er carbon wheels. 30 mil internal width. Uh, Vittoria Barzo on the front, Mezcal on the back proper properly fast off-road wheel set uh, and then the rest of the bits are kind of cobbled together from various other bikes that i've um that i've got so it's uh, di2 dura shifters uh xtr rear mech uh, rotor power meter cranks uh pro discover bars um thompson seat post it will have a thompson stem just not i just haven't got one yet and yeah that's the setup Actually, can I actually I want to mention something because me and you have spoke about this um, on the phone because we talk every so often and um, you, you mentioned and I don't want you to put any figures down here because I don't want to get you in trouble with Laura if she listens. But that when you told me how much you'd actually spent on this, I was really surprised at how much you spent and how much bike you got. Because if you look at a Trek Madone, like a new one with DI2 duration, you're looking at 12 grand, 13 grand, something like this. And that, that isn't even custom. And you've gone and got this custom, absolutely epic, really one-off bike. And, and it's cost you a, a, le a lot less than half of what one, a Trek Madone would be like this. And I was really impressed 
how much bike you got from going around to all these little places in getting these things kind of customly done. So that that did really, I'm not going to lie, it's made me sit there thinking, God, actually, maybe I should look at something a bit more like that. Uh, yeah, look, for what we do, um, uh, look, the difference in frame weight between a, a, a carbon hardtail and a steel hardtail, yes, it's going to be like seven, 800 grams, but that's nothing in the context of what we're doing. And... Uh, to have something that's designed specifically around what I want it to do with no compromises on the geometry and unique to me, that to me is worth far more than saving 700 grams on a, on a carbon frame. Um, and, and I think, you know, just to work with a company like Shand where they've given me something, they've delivered something to me that's genuinely unique, uh, that's that's amazing. Yeah, I, th- I think... Um... Yeah, there's a, there's a real personal touch to that there. That's something I, I kind of, I remember with Linsky, you know, when they said, do you want to make any modifications to a frame? And I did, and it really made it my own, and it was a really special feeling. And I love it that you've got these companies like Shand that, that can, can do that. So massive shout out to them anyway. So let's talk a little bit about your kit. I know you're going to put a video out, but I've just got a few questions, hopefully not giving too much away. So... I'm going to make the assumption that you're going to have a bivy bag with you and you're going to be sleeping rough every so often. Yeah, I think, and I always make those decisions based on the route. You know, you you bet you, you make the decisions based on the route that you're taking on. Um, and when you look at, you look at a lot of it, if you look at the availability of hotels, it's not, you're not hitting big towns that often. So you could easily have, I mean, we talked earlier about the stretch to the Breckens where there's a stretch where it's probably uh, 160K without a hotel. And, you know, you might get to the start of that section at four o'clock in the afternoon and you're not going to stop at four o'clock in the afternoon. But similarly, you wouldn't reach the end of that section until potentially four o'clock in the morning. So the ability to bivy out, I think, gives you much more flexibility in your your race strategy. Um and I, I think you have to do it on this one. So yes, I'm taking, I've got a um, an Outdoor Research Helium Bivy, uh, which is actually really, really nice. It's uh, I, I picked that up uh, about a month ago. I've used it a few times in anger. Um, I needed something that would keep the mozzies away when we get to, or the midges away when we get to Scotland. So um, yeah, that's really, really good. And it only weighs 400, just over 400 grams. So it's super lightweight. Uh, Big Agnes uh, Pluton UL40 sleeping bag. Again, it weighs like 450 grams, super lightweight. Pair that with a, a sleeping mat, and it's just it's a really uh, comfortable setup. I can sleep down to about two degrees and still be comfortable. Um, but the whole kit goes in my Apertura bar bag, and the whole thing weighs max. I think the whole thing weighs 1.4 kilos. For the full sleep kit, which I think is, yeah, that's great. 1.4 kilos, that is, that's probably what my sleeping bag weighs alone, to be honest. Yeah, so that's sleeping bag, bivy bag, sleeping pad, uh, mat, uh, sleeping bag liner, and the bar bag itself. So, so you're going to be sleeping out, that's going to be fun. What bit are you most excited about? Because you've said you've done the South Downs, North Downs, we know that, you've done the escapades and... You said about the Pennines. What what bit do you sit there thinking that's just going to be epic? Are we talking? Is there any massive climbs up north that are going to really show you something special? So I think the 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 climb 
and off the back of Great Dunfell is going to be quite interesting. I've never done that one before. And we know from following GB Duro last year that it does get very interesting over the far side. Uh, it's basically a big bog fest from what from what I understand. So like navigation is challenging, riding is challenging, the ride up is obviously challenging. Uh, I, I am really looking forward to going back to the Peak District because, you know, I grew up in Sheffield. So that's where that's where I used to mountain bike as a kid. So all around Edale, that kind of area. So that's that's going to be really really exciting to go back to um and i'm really looking forward to scotland uh because i've done some of the the trail centers up in scotland um up around glentress and places like that but i think to just travel across it like that and and ultimately that's 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 the most exciting thing about this is when i'm done i'll have traveled from canterbury to applecross mainly off-road through huge amounts of the uk and that's just going to be epic. So we've we've I, I've got a request for you that I think I'm going to ask you to do over this race, and I need you to promise me now before I ask you that you're going to say yes to this request. <laughs> okay, yes. I need you to count how many gates you open throughout the whole race. Ah, oh, jeez. Yeah. Uh, apparently, there might be something like a th- over a thousand gates. <laughs> Only a thousand. That's what I heard. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm. I'll try. I'll do my best. I'll lose track. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I genuinely want an, a daily updated gate count, if, if possible. I need to develop a custom script for my phone so that I can just press a button every time I hit a gate. There's a button. Press a pass a gate. There's a button. So you're all ready to go. Things are feeling good. Tell me a little bit about. You've had a bit of a, a recent. If you don't mind me bringing this up, if not, you might have to cut this out. You've been feeling a little bit under the weather recently. Yeah, I've had a bit of... So I went out last weekend for my last big ride, big training ride, and literally within five minutes I had a big crash, uh, which was my own stupid fault. Just didn't really lift the front wheel up enough coming out of a rut. Uh, Front wheel washed out, hit the deck, hit hit the shoulder, hit the hip, hit the head. That was all pretty fine. Uh, But then that night woke up with in absolute agony with my ankle and I, you know at the time I was convinced I'd broken my ankle uh, I was like no I can't have done because I've rode on it for three hours after falling so I went into the hospital got it x-rayed no break but hobbling around I had a big uh, like a big boot strapped to it so that was that was kind of like really frustrating going oh my oh have I just really ruined the race anyway kind of two to three days later kind of realized that it was a repeat of what happened in on the tcr and that i had a a bad attack of gout generally that's driven by dehydration uh lots of sugar in the diet which you tend to do when your training load increases and you're doing long long rides you tend to eat a lot more sugar while you're out on these rides and and certainly sweets which are high in uh, fructose corn syrup uh, which which has an impact and we'd had you know a few nights out where we'd had a lot of red meat and drank quite a few beers both of which are also things that can trigger it so uh, and then doing some research online I realized that actually an injury can then trigger an episode of gout so I think what happened is I'd had the fall I tweaked my ankle a little bit but that had provided the focus for the 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 crystals to then accumulate and cause the and cause the really really bad episode so 
Um, but in a way, that was a good thing because there's no underlying um, kind of uh, injury to get over then. So I've just been trying to rest up and get over that. But then, because I've been hobbling around funny on my leg, now my knee's seized up. So it's kind of like, yeah, just it's just it's not been a good week in terms of final prep. But at least I'm going to go in very well rested. So at the moment, I'm still I'm still hobbling a little bit, uh, but I think another two or three days and I'll be. Uh, fully fully functional again excellent so i'm looking forward to uh to a stage win on this one <laughs> stage win there's only one stage <laughs> and, and that's the one you're going to be winning <laughs> yeah yeah fingers crossed ah, do you know what i'm I, th- I think i'm going to i'm riding to enjoy it um hopefully it's going to be a good race hopefully uh there'll be there'll be a good battle uh wherever we are or wherever I am in the field. Um, obviously, I'm really uh, looking forward to watching Carolyn do well as well as a, as a client. And I'm just looking forward to seeing seeing the whole of the UK, but also doing this kind of race, this kind of off-road, long-distance point-to-point, because it's just, it, is, it is really, really interesting. And I think, hopefully, if this goes well, it just will open my eyes up to potential, uh, you know, uh, attempts at Silk Road and Tour Divide uh, in in future years, um, but but also I think you know we're going to see more and more races like this coming up. Um, people people are enjoying moving off road. I think this is why gravel has become oh, gravel as a quotes thing, is because people just want to explore away from the roads, away from traffic. Yeah, I think for me personally, I have never really felt so much enjoyment although I'm going slower and I'm not necessarily feeling that I've done this distance really far I do just love being off-road recently I I did some off-road trails some quite fairly long ones and I just enjoyed them so much and getting to the end you just sit there thinking all about the parts you've been with I find with the road riding you forget a lot of it but when you get to this gravel off-road riding the experience is much better you know so although you're going a shorter distance the the challenges are more technical you're enjoying the views a bit better and I I look back at my off-roads ride and I seem to remember so much more about them so I'm very envious about you going away and seeing the whole of the UK or not the whole of the UK but a very big spell of the UK and uh, yeah very very jealous I, I can't say it's something that necessarily appeals to me straight away but I have found my love for off-road riding because remember when we first started this podcast how much I used to tell you I hated gravel and off-road riding uh yeah I remember you throwing your helmet at a wall in Peru because you just hated being (laughs) off-road but those days have seemed to change and I've just realized uh you know when it comes to off-road and this is probably a good bit of advice people just expect the unexpected and enjoy it yeah, definitely. So I'm really, really satisfied that that I know that I've got one more question before we go, and it's a funny one. Um, one more question before we go. Your forks. You've got these lovely DT Swiss forks, and something you said to me the other day just just made me laugh so much. Um, that you had gone through the manual and it said they need servicing every fifty hours, and this is you're going into a race where you're probably going to clock up. I don't know, 150 hours. So are you planning on servicing your forks along the way? or? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to stop halfway through. I'm going to take spare seals and wipers with me and I'll be I'll be 
uh, yep, servicing them halfway through the race for sure, definitely. Excellent, love it. So I'm I'm super happy with that, and uh, I I'm yeah I'm good luck, mate. That's the most important thing. I'll be following super closely, and uh, we'll get this up and make sure you get that video of all your kit list and your setup done as well because i'm sure your bike's gorgeous you need to share it with the world you know so definitely so that will go on to uh, i'll put that video up onto the youtube channel hopefully in a couple of days time uh, as always i will be doing as much live footage during the race as i can and i am going to be i'm going to be putting that onto youtube live because I mean, I know everyone enjoys the Instagram stories, but the, the content disappears too quickly. So uh, I'm going to continue with YouTube Live uh, because that also will allow for interaction from everybody. Uh, if you want to ask me questions, uh, you know, make sure you click the you know click the bell when you subscribe so that you get notified when I go live. Ask me questions whilst I'm racing. Put uh, you know put questions in the comments, uh, and I'll try and I'll try and go live at least a couple of times a day. Uh, to talk you through, uh, to talk you through where I am, what's been going on, uh, and then live tracking is going to be on the Map Progress, uh, Map Progress, however you pronounce it, uh, site. So uh, I, again, I will post, we'll post links to uh, to the website. Uh, we'll post links uh, on my social media channels, and I'm sure Robbie will be posting links as well. Uh, but that's uh, Great British Divide 2021.mapprogress.com. And we will be live as of uh, race starts 10 a.m. Saturday morning. One thing I do need to mention when it comes to your YouTube channel is it's not under Neil Copeland. It's under Turn Cycling. So when people go to search it, it's Turn Cycling, isn't it? Yes. www.youtube.com slash Turn Cycling. Go sign up. I'm actually I'm on like nine nine hundred and ninety seven subscribers at the uh, on yeah on that note guys uh, let's get Neil's subscriber count up and literally uh, wish you all the best mate we're gonna have a, a really interesting podcast after you've done this race I hope it goes well you know hope the gout gets out before you you go, <laughs> <We'll> go. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the gout now now it's now it's the gammy knee that's called. Ah, mate, you know what they say about knees, just keep driving into them and they'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, be fine. Awesome. Right, well, good to chat, Robbie. And uh, thanks for all those questions. Uh, and thank you all for listening. Uh, hope you look forward to following this race. Uh, and it's good to be back. It is good to be back. And yeah, look forward to it, mate. I'll chuck some of shares out and everyone's going to get on it. And again, thank you to Kyle Roberts for re reigniting the podcast. Thank you, Kyle, and thank you, everybody else, and good night. See you later, guys.